Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. IBM's numbers are out. Second quarter operating EPS, 297. The estimate's there, 274. Revenue, 19.29 billion. The estimate... $19.47 $19.47 billion. Second quarter adjusted gross margin, 47.2% estimates were for 47%. We've got more on IBM coming up on Bloomberg Markets. S&P setting a record at 2460 up a point, a gain there of less than one-tenth of 1%. Little change, but it is a record. The Dow pulled back by 55 points, down three-tenths of 1%. NASDAQ climbing 29 to a record 63.44, up five-tenths of 1%. The 10-year up 16.30 seconds. The yield, 2.26%. Gold up 7.80 the ounce to 12.41, up six-tenths of 1%. West Texas Intermediate Crude up 43 cents a barrel to 46.45, up nine tenths of one percent. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. All right, thank you very much, Charlie Pellet. This is Bloomberg Markets. I'm Michael McKee, along with Julie Hyman. Smaller, better, perhaps. Uh, Miles Lewis is the portfolio manager at American Century Investments. He focuses on small caps as the co-portfolio manager for the small cap value fund at American Century. I'm just looking at the Russell 2000 here. It closed at a record yesterday. It's up about 5% this year. It got a big lift after the election on optimism about small cap, uh, more domestically oriented stocks. And since then, it's sort of given up some of its advantage versus large caps. Uh, Miles, I know that you focus sort of on individual companies, but I am curious to get your take on the small cap universe generally and how it looks to you right now versus uh, large caps, given the economic backdrop. Absolutely. Thanks, Julie. Um, Small caps did have a pretty big surge post-election and small cap value stocks in particular. But what was really interesting is you pulled forward uh, a lot of gains into the to the 30 days following the election. So if you looked at the Russell 2000 value, it was up 19% in those first 30 days. It's actually down a little bit since then. So the last seven or eight months, it's kind of trended sideways and gone down. Um, and so what that kind of tells us is that um, a lot of the euphoria that had kind of been baked into stock prices immediately after the election uh, has, has started to wane a little bit from, from a top-down perspective. And we kind of see the same thing from a fundamental uh, bottom-up perspective as well. When we look at individual names, say, within uh, industrials or banks. Many of these stocks have round-tripped or, or underperformed pretty materially. So uh, valuations are, are elevated uh, within small caps, as they are pretty much everywhere in U.S. equity markets. Uh, so you have to kind of be selective and, and, and pick your spots, and that's what we continue to do. Well, can you – can you see any benefit coming from Washington in the sense uh, that small caps usually lead the way in a recovery, um, and there has been a lot of talk about we get stimulus from Washington, it's going to extend uh, the recovery. It's going to give it a, a new life. Uh, you talked about that maybe being the effect shortly after the election, but is there anything left in that theory? Yeah, well, look, we're, as Julie said, we're, we're bottom-up stock pickers. We're certainly not D.C. policy experts, but um, it doesn't appear that a whole lot is priced in, at least into small caps, uh, with regards to, you know, high expectations for the, the current administration's ability to kind of enact some of these policies that, 
that would do exactly what you're referring to in terms of extending the economic cycle and um, accelerating growth a little bit. Uh, we just we just don't see that. Um, and and again, kind of from a bottom up perspective, a lot of the beneficiaries um, or expected beneficiaries of those policies uh, have kind of seen their stocks unwind uh, pretty significantly since that time. So in addition to uh, looking at small cap, as we say, uh, you look at value, and there's been sort of some rotations in and out of value thus far this year already. Um, what's appealing about looking at value stocks at, at this moment in time? I mean, I, I would imagine the political dr- backdrop is less important here, and rates are probably more important. Yeah, rate, rates are very important for value stocks. Uh, basically, what happens is when you have an environment where um, where where growth is relatively low, interest rates oftentimes tend to be relatively low, and so that means that that those companies that have higher growth rates kind of get bid up as there's a scarcity of, of high growth, and so that favors growth stocks. Conversely, um, when growth becomes a little bit more widespread, uh, that favors value stocks because um, there's just more opportunity out there. And so, so in this environment here that we're in, where growth has been working really, really well, it kind of comes back to what we were talking about, which is that uh, the market, both the, the equity markets and the fixed income markets, are kind of telling us that uh, the acceleration in growth that we, we had hoped to see going forward is not going to materialize. What do you like? Uh, you're a bottom-up stock picker, so looking from the bottom, <laughs> what, what are you buying these days? Yeah, sure. So one of our favorite holdings is a company called uh, Graphic Packaging. The ticker is GPK. Uh, it's something that uh, many of your listeners have probably never heard of, but they're the largest producer of folding carton packages in North America. So if you go to a grocery store, you you see and most likely purchase one of their products. So, for example, uh, they could be uh, the box for a 12-pack of Miller Lite or a box of Kleenex. Notice which one um, he picks and, first for us here. <laughs> yeah, the, the Miller Lite. I have picked up for myself, too. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but food and beverages make up about 90% of their end markets, and that's not a, a real sexy high-growth market. But people get sick uh, during recessions, and they still blow their noses, and they like to eat and drink. Um, so we like the stability that that business offers. Um, it's, a, it's a company that generates a lot of free cash, um, has a nearly a 10% free cash flow yield, which – we think in this market in particular is, is very attractive. Um, and so, so we think it's hard to, to kind of lose money when you have a starting point at a 10% free cash flow yield for, for what we think is a really high-quality business that provides us with uh, some consumer staples-like exposure at a, at a non-consumer staples-like valuation. Miles, how about uh, Penske Automotive? It has not been a, a fun year to be an auto anything investor, really, but particularly anything sort of auto retail, auto parts retail, et cetera. And Penske is no different. It's down 14% year to date. Why is now a good time to get in? Yeah, absolutely. So for, for those that don't know Penske, uh, it's the second largest uh, U.S. auto dealer in the, in the country. Uh, but they actually have a pretty sizable business, uh, almost half their business outside of North America. They focus on luxury brands, which is about 70% of their sales. Um, and, and a common misperception on, on this company, and one of the reasons it's been so weak, is that they're heavily tied uh, to the U.S. auto SAR, uh, so you know sales of, of autos in the U.S. But the reality is that uh, while 80% of their sales are new and used cars, less than 40% of their gross profits come from new and used cars, and even less of that is within the U.S. 
so, so the stock is discounting uh, a declining SAR in the future at 10 times earnings, and we think we're being compensated for that uh, for, for a really high-quality company in the discretionary space with, with an outstanding management team behind it. And they win a few Indy 500s. Miles Lewis from American Century Investments, thanks for joining us today here on Bloomberg Markets.